Years ago, the image of uh, manufacturing, machine shops, mold shops, tool and die shops, it was bad. It was second class people working in them. It was dirty, it was gritty. And I think we're finally turning the corner on the mindset and the image of the manufacturing industry. It's highly technological. It's a skilled, clean work environment. It's high paying jobs. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zenger, and welcome to episode seven of Making Chips. I'd like to welcome my friend, co-host, Jim Carr. Hey, everybody. It's Jim here. Episode seven. We're on track. So, Jim, today we're going to talk about it's not your dad's machine shop. So, no, it's not. Your not anymore. Your dad still does come in, doesn't he? My dad does still come in. I um, love watching him come in too. Yeah. When, I, when I'm at your shop and he comes in, it's great. No, it's good. I mean, uh, he he he's, he founded the company back in '72, and and how old is he? He's 85 years old. He still comes in and gives him a sense of purpose, I guess. It does. It does. Absolutely. He wants to see what's going on. He wants to have a little bit of engagement. And honest to God, if there's one, of, if there's a question that needs to be answered about something, he can probably answer it. So he no, but it, it certainly is not my dad's machine shop anymore. And he won't be listening to this podcast. Will he, he will not be. Li- I would not have the time or patience to show him how to download a podcast. Oh, that's great. Today on Metalworking News, um, there's an article that's out which basically said that more high schools are teaching about manufacturing skills, which I think is great. I do too. I think it is. It's definitely uh, an area that there's a deficit in skilled machinists. You know, that, that recession, everyone got out of the industry. Nobody wanted to get back into it. There was, you know, there was no work. Yeah. And now, now I mean, there's really nice paying jobs. And you, you, I think you have to start in the high school ages to prepare kids for the manufacturing industry. Wheeling High School in Wheeling, Illinois, is actually turning out higher-ready manufacturing workers, and they've been doing this for six years. That's fabulous. Wheeling High School is, uh, I, I know that high school, they're in a Chicagoland area, and they're um, really strategic in their advanced manufacturing courses, and Laz Lopez, at least he was the principal there at the high school. Just a fabulous, proactive high school. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. That That's really good news. Yeah, it is. I mean, the image, I know when I was in high school, the image is was that, you know, manufacturing is a dirty, you know, very physical job. You're turning cranks. You're, you know, there, there wasn't, computers weren't very prevalent and, you know, it was very labor intensive, but... Couldn't, f- be, couldn't be anything further from the truth. From, from, it couldn't be anything... It couldn't be more truthful? It couldn't be more... You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Um, but the fact is, is that now uh, the manufacturing industry is is dominated by technology. It's absolutely. And I, it's a great segue into what we're going to talk about today, because that's 
really what it is. You know, years ago, the image of uh, manufacturing, machine shops, mold shops, tool and die shops, it was bad. It was second-class people working in them. It was dirty. It was gritty. And I think we're finally turning the corner on the mindset and the image of the manufacturing industry. It's highly technological. It's a skilled, clean work environment. It's high-paying jobs. Yeah. Um, in, in a past episode, we talked about the recession and we talked about Germany. And one of the things that Germany does that we need to get more of our high schools doing is that they actually take 15-year-olds and they put them into a manufacturing internship. So it's part of their educational model to put kids into internships in high school. And manufacturing is one of the top internships that, that these kids take. Is it like an elective? I believe that it's a requirement to be in an internship. It's not a requirement to be in a manufacturing internship, but you know, given Germany's economy, it's a, it's a very popular internship for for the high school kids to take. Yeah, they're starting. Germany's starting to go slide into a recession. Didn't we talk? Yeah, about we talked that? about that in in, yeah. in a couple ep- episodes ago. Yeah. Okay, so it's not your dad's machine shop. Um, we're going to talk about how the machining industry has evolved. So, machine technology. How have you seen that change, Jim? Absolutely huge. So let's just flash back to 1979 when I came into the shop. I was three years old. Sorry. <laughs> no, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> so I'm flashing back to 1979, and uh, I'm a young um, man. I was young, too. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and I'm in the shop, and just looking out, peering out into that shop, it was you know maybe 12 Bridgeport milling machines, four lathes, a couple surface grinders, a drill press. That's how it was. And we, we had maybe 10 employees on these and everyone was moving and the ships were really flying. We were really making ships back then. But gosh, just think about how uh, just a few decades and to see where we're at right now, it's it's um, it's amazing. What was it like um, when you first started in the industry? I mean, were you, did you start off on a Bridgeport? I did. I learned how to run a manual uh, Bridgeport milling machine, maybe a, a two horsepower. Even so we even had some of those older Bridgeport milling machines that to, to change the spindle speed, you had to like open up the motor and pull it forward and take the belt. You had to put your finger in and move the belt up and down to get the eight. You had eight speeds to choose from. We can go up to fifteen thousand RPM on our machines now just by by putting an S. 15,000 M3, turn the spindle on and, you know, ready to go. And, and you expect your, your new machinist to be trained in, um, you know, G-code or some other type of um, programming language in order to run your CNC machines. Right. It's really hands-on, Jason. It's important. You know, they, they have to go to school and they have to learn how to do it. But when you get all that theory part, it's important that they actually go out to the machine and just go write that program and and do it and actually see that tool turn on and and see it so there's definitely been an evolution you know to to answer your question you know we had all these old manual bridgeport milling machines and and turning centers you know we were single pointing threads on the lathe uh boring and then the big thing was digital readouts on your, you didn't have to count the revolutions when you cranked the handle on the Bridgeport milling machine. So it was cumbersome. It was labor intensive. The chips were, you know, 
there was no enclosures around the Bridgeport. The chips were actually flying off the machine. I remember, you know, you'd have to have your heavy clothes on because those hot chips would be flying right off on your burning holes in your clothes. And you had to sweep up at the end of the night? Of course, absolutely. Sweep up those chips? Yeah, nope, always. So it's been quite an evolution, and um, it's exciting to see all this change. We certainly, so the output of all this was that through this evolution, in the integration of computerized technology, uh, we're making parts significantly faster, significantly more precision, and um, dead on. Yeah, and it's a cleaner environment. I know um, at a lot of the manufacturing companies that that I visit, uh, including yours, their floors are clean and they're, they're, the chips are not all over the place. And, and it's a different environment than I think people perceive it to be. Right. And that's that's what we need to do is we need to change the image and, and let people like the parents of these students see these shops and um, validate that what we're saying is the, is the honest to God truth, that we do work in um, a highly technological in a skilled, clean shop. So how has the software changed since you started? What we do now is we, we take an electronic solid model or a, a, a CAD file, an electronic CAD file, and that's how we communicate with our customers. They send us this electronic version. So if you can imagine the designers, the engineers at the OEMs are designing these new products on a, a computerized, on a CAD system. AutoCAD, it could be one of many, many different types of CAD systems. And then th they send it off to us, and we import that into our CAM, uh, computer-aided manufacturing type software. And then we create a tool path from that CAD technology and upload it into the CNC machine and uh, cut the parts. So it's it's significantly cleaner. It's much more accurate because we're actually taking all of the uh, engineers and the designers files that they actually drew and we're cutting it to their specifications. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure originally it was a manual blueprint process for, um, for making the parts. Just think about the errors. I mean, if the designer puts a hole on a center line on a, on a, on a CAD file Nowadays, you don't even have to. You don't even have to think about where you're putting the hole. It just put the hole right there. Whereas before, you had to at least, well, e even old school CNC, you had to type in the X and Y coordinate, or else you'd have to do it on a readout on a bridge board. It was, you know, takes forever, and then you got to, you know, you push the drill through manually. So speaking of errors, you told me a story once about your dad um, when one of his machinists made an error. Yeah, there was there was quite a bit of that years ago. This is a great story. Well, yeah, he was on a manual mill. I don't know if we should be telling the story, but I guess the uh, uh, the, the my, time limit for <laughs> and my dad's not gonna my dad's not gonna listen to this either. So it had to be back in the in the seventies, and this one employee, this machinist we had that was working on our Bridgeport. Was working on this on this part and uh, putting holes in and counterbores. And my dad warned him. He said, "Please be careful about putting the counterbores on the right side of the part because you'd float it on." And I'll be damned. Uh, he came up to my dad that afternoon. He says, "You're not going to believe this. I put the counterbores on bat on the wrong side of the part." So my dad said, "I want you to punch out right now, cut some new stock out of the stock rack, and make that part for me." 
That's hilarious. That would never happen nowadays. No, that would never happen nowadays. So talk about evolution. Yes, there, there has been not only an evolution in manufacturing and evolution in um, software to run the manufacturing process, but there's definitely been an, uh, an evolution in the HR process. Oh, God. Yeah, crazy. I got, I got lots of those stories. So another component that has uh, changed the manufacturing industry is obviously the internet. So tell me how um, exactly your business on a day-to-day basis has changed because of that. Years ago, I mean, everything used to come in through the mail. So all the requ- the requests, the purchase orders, I think starting out in, in the, from the qu- quote process point, you, you had to know somebody, you had to be referred to a shop. That was the first thing. The purchasing agent, the engineer would had to reach out to someone or, or engage with somebody to even know that there was a machine shop there. Okay. Then the, the, the whole quoting process was done manually. They'd have to either, well, even before fax was a fax is revolutionized industry too. But even before that, you had to have a paper copy that was mailed to us with a print, a blueprint, and had to be quoted. I mean, just imagine the time that we cut off of that whole process. So from just from that aspect of the quote process, faxes came in, we were faxing quotes and faxing prints. In our industry, that was huge because you could take a print, you could actually fax it there in a matter of seconds. Um, That revolutionized things too. But now you can have a purchasing agent search for a machine shop and Google, you know, a dozen in a matter of minutes. And they can just send off their um, their requests to those those dozen machine shops right away. Right. If it, Only if they were looking for, uh, pr- uh, if they were price sensitive. There was There's really nothing to validate that machine shop saying that they're a quality company that's going to get their parts done on time in, in a quality fashion. But they certainly could get pricing back in a matter of hours. Whereas before, it, just, it was just a, a cumbersome process. So nowadays they can just attach these CAD files or these PDF files of these prints, attach it to an email and blast off 20 in you know, a matter of seconds. We all know how fast that works. Absolutely. So that was a big driver about how we've evolved from, you know, like my dad, the way my dad did business years ago. I mean, I, I can remember coming in on Saturday mornings and looking in the mail slot and there would be stacks of purchase orders in the mail and it was always like a great, it was a, a good, a, a feel good moment when you'd come in on a Saturday and the mailman just dumped all these purchase orders into your mail slot. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's great. So in, in the manufacturing industry is going to continue to evolve and, and continue to not only, you know, get better, but, you know, faster quality and precision standards are going to get tighter. You know, 3D printing is coming. I mean, there's so many changes coming on over the horizon. Absolutely. I, I can't wait to see what the next thing is. And I do think that additive technology is going to be huge in the, in the future. I, they, they, it needs to evolve a little bit before it becomes competition with what we do in, in you know, cut, a cutting metal type environment. But I definitely think that'll be there without a doubt. Well, this concludes this section of the podcast. Do, is, you have, do you have any other questions? I, I do. I, you know, I want to talk to you about uh, thread milling because you, you had brought this up the other day. Yeah, I mean, thread milling is becoming more and more prevalent as a tool that um, that we're seeing our customers using, that we're specifying for our customers in the threading process. Yeah, you know, it, it's still hard for me to wrap my brain around the fact that 
we can use a thread mill like in a 3816 versus a 3816 tap and it's it's going to be better can can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that jason and tell me how how am i going to sell that to my machinists in the shop that have been using taps for 20 years right that's a good question and, and we do have that, that that question's asked a lot so there's there's three main things that um make thread milling popular that that it, there's three main things that that make thread milling better than say using a high performance tap yeah please tell so, me so number one is that you can control the size you know you're not going to have that over or under tap and and you can you can actually control the depth uh, a lot better than with with a thread mill than you can with a tap okay stop there i can totally understand that because here here's one thing if you have a three let's just say for instance a 3816 um tap hole in a part but you have to get that part plated you can take that thread mill and you can cut it five thousandths oversized so when the when they put three or five thousandths worth of nickel plating on those threads it comes right it, it's still in the oversized condition and your thread gauge will your go no gauge will work so i totally get that okay you sold me on that part yeah with a tap you you actually specify you know an, an oversized amount yeah uh, either an h limit or else they do have taps that are like plus five thousands exactly the second thing would be would be breakage so this is this is um also a big factor usually tapping is one of the last processes that you go through and it doesn't happen all the time but you can break a tap in the part and if you've got you know a part that you have five thousand dollars into and you break a tap in there that's a big problem you're absolutely right and, and what, what we do is when you break a tap and we can't get it out we we, we have it sent to um uh, and get them burnt out with a wire, well, not a wire EDM, but the EDM machine. Right. And with, with a thread mill, I mean, if you break the thread mill, you break the thread mill. Um, and it's, it, it shouldn't affect the part. Except the thread mill is going to cost a little bit more money than the tab. The thread mill is more expensive, but that actually brings us to, you know, the third point, which is that, uh, the tool life is, is typically better, um, with a thread mill than it is for a tap. So you can get more, more life Typically, um, you know, none of these things are set in stone. So context doesn't say I didn't get as much time out of my thread mill than I did on my tap. I mean, what this a, is just typical. You know, I think that when when you program a, a G eighty four, which is a, which is a, a, a G code for tapping, you know, that's it's so fast. It's just like you know, a couple seconds, boom, we tapped a hole. I, I'm thinking with the thread mills that I've used in the shop, it takes time for that. That maybe we're doing something wrong. I don't know, but well, yeah. You, now, I mean. In the past, yeah, thread mills were, were definitely slower, but now, in, in not in all applications, but in a lot of applications, you can go just as fast with a thread mill than you can with a tap. Uh, boy, I, I, would, I would really like to see that. That would help my production and my shop do well. I'll bring one out to you. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll bring out an expert too. I'm not an expert, but I will bring an expert to your shop and we'll, we'll start thread milling. It does make sense though. Th those few um, things that you did point out did make sense to me and I can relate to it. Anything else about thread milling? I don't think so. I, I, I can't wait to try one. I, in a, you know, of course, we, we've used them in bigger sizes in my shop, but not in the smaller sizes. I would say only bigger than uh, 7 eighths. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, you can even go down to, you know, quarter inch, three eighths. That's crazy. You know, That's... I mean, for, for your environment, I think that, that, that would be doable. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd really like to look more into it. So this concludes episode seven of Done. Making Chips. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Please 
visit our website, makingchips.com. We are going to post a phone number on our website so that um, our listeners can call in. So you can call in, ask us questions, give us suggestions for topics to discuss. Give us any kind of feedback. If, if you want to tell us that um, we're doing a great job, tell us that. If you want to ask us a question about a tool, please do that or give us some ideas about future episodes. We might even you know, put you on the podcast. We might even play your recording. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. And we will see you guys in episode number eight.